It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with my partner in feminism, Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined by Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland. Madam Secretary, it is such an honor to talk to you. We were elated when we learned about your appointment and even more so when we really dived into what that could all mean for the interior. You're the first indigenous person to hold this position. I, I wanna hear from you in your own words. What has that meant to the way that you approach this job? Well, of course, it's the same, you know, it's the same as when I was the first Native woman in Congress. Um, representation matters, and it matters that there's somebody with my perspective and my history uh, and my family, you know, my, my view on the world um, in a job that's never had uh, that perspective before. And so uh, very, um, and of course, I'm just so grateful to President Biden for recognizing the importance of representation. And um, I'm just going to work my heart out to make sure that I can honor my ancestors and, of course, uh, honor this earth. I think that's, the, that's a piece of this that probably doesn't get talked about enough, which is, I think, sort of the, the vein of Jess's question, which is the approach and, and the lens through which um, you come to this position and it coming from the foundation of what you just said, which is honoring the earth. Right. Because, you know, the secretary of the interior, um, they're tasked with the national parks and so many of the resources and, and natural resources that we're watching uh, become harmed by the effects of climate change. And there have been other people in this job, but not they did not have that foundational lens. What does it really mean to honor the earth um, and, and do the job of secretary of the interior? Um, with that in mind? Right. Well, I mean, I think the first thing is to remember that all of our public lands belong to every single one of us. If you're an American, uh, the, our public lands belong to you. And uh, they don't belong to one industry. They don't belong to one person. Uh, they belong to everyone. And we really need to make sure that we're, we're uh, moving forward uh, with a balance in mind, right? Everything is a balance. And um, as a Pueblo woman, when I think about, you know, when you, when, you, when you get something, you should be willing to give something in return, right? It's, it's sort of a reciprocal relationship. And um, if we're doing something, if we're taking things from the earth, we need to be willing to give back. And that, you know, that's in the form of, um, you know, let's uh, let's make sure that that we're making the right decisions. Let's not uh, go heavy on one industry and and not on the other. Uh, you know, uh, I, I learned uh, a while back that 25% of our uh, carbon comes from our public lands, and right. and so um, so we need to just think about things in a balance. Make sure that we're applying. Um, that mentality to managing our public lands and 
and hopefully we'll be able to see some positive results. That sounds so rational and practical and also not at all the approach that this country has usually taken. Um, did you experience significant pushback when trying to bring that approach to the department or do we now have the conditions where people are willing to listen to maybe doing something a, a better, saner, kinder way? Well, I mean, I think that's the approach that President Biden has brought. And, you know, we're working hard to um, move his agenda forward. He recognizes that we're in a climate crisis. He recognizes that we need to make a transition uh, to clean energy, that those are all options for millions of jobs across the country. Uh, we don't I mean, it's you know, it's balancing uh, our environmental, um, you know, the environmental impacts that we have with, uh, with making sure that folks have the means uh, to support themselves. We, and we recognize that clean energy and that transition can bring millions and millions and millions of quality um, jobs to folks uh, across the country. And we've, we've seen some of that play out, right? I was just in Pennsylvania, for example, uh, touring some abandoned mine lands and uh, the work that folks there are doing to reclaim those lands uh, is really amazing. They're taking full advantage of the funding that's available from the federal government to turn abandoned mines into parks where children can play uh, into outdoor recreation facilities that have an economic impact on, um, on you know, towns that have, have seen um, a decline in jobs because, because coal mining isn't, um, is, you know, it's, it's, it's not, those mines have closed. And so um, there's so many opportunities out there uh, you know, to restore um, places uh, on our public lands and, and in our country. And uh, we just need to find those opportunities and make sure that, that people and communities are all a part of it. One of the things that's happening in the country right now um, is this debate over the way to teach American history. And when I was just preparing for this conversation, I was thinking a lot about what you've said in the past about Native American history and indigenous history being American history mm -hmm. and that telling the real story about what happened at the founding of the country and before the founding of the country um, is essential to understanding the present, but, but, but it's just, we have to do that, it's required. Um, what do you think about the fact that there's so much pushback against teaching the true history of, of what, what the settlers, uh, the, the colonialists that settled here did to the indigenous people who were here um, and, and how that affects the present. Right, well, I mean, that regardless of what the pushback is, history, you know, you can't change history. History is history, it happened and no one can deny it, right? It, it can be told through uh, different lenses, uh, you know, somebody can sort of try to, um, to give a softer version uh, of a historical fact, or somebody can just be brutally honest about it. And uh, the fact remains that 
um, Native Americans, indigenous people in this country. Uh, we have an opportunity to tell our history from our lens. And that's so important now in this day and age. And um, um, I think that um, in light of some of the discoveries that have been made uh, regarding boarding schools in Canada, for example, um, those, um, I mean, we're, we're not immune from that history ourselves. And so um, it's just important, look, to, to acknowledge that Indigenous people have been experiencing generational trauma um, since um, Europeans set foot on this continent and began, um, you know, uh, genocide against Native Americans. Um, and, it's, and it lasted for a very long time. Uh, taking their land, uh, killing people off, killing the buffalo because they felt like if they killed the food source that the Indians would also die. I mean, the, these are all fa facts of history um, that are undeniable and uh, we should come to terms with those as a country um, so that we can heal and, um, and move forward in, in a way that acknowledges the pain and suffering of various groups of people so that, um, so that we can all have a future that we'll be proud to embrace. You, you're actively involved right now in, in one of those projects that should bring that reckoning, that understanding, bring to light some of our own history that has been buried for a very long time. We know that this isn't a Canada problem. Like we're, we're watching these horrible stories um, from north of our border about the, the graves being found in schools where indigenous children were sent. And we're watching that as America knowing, knowing that we have the same kind of story here, if not the same kind of spotlight. I think 83% of native kids went through the boarding school system in America, including your grandparents. You now lead the department that maintained many of those boarding schools, like the kind your grandparents were sent to. Talk a little bit about about this project, about wanting to to bring some of the stories to light. And and I want to ask, how does your family feel knowing that their granddaughter might be the one to bring closure, if not justice? Right. Well, I mean, uh, I think that um, it, it's. I feel like there's no there's no other way for us to move forward, right? We have to really acknowledge it. Uh, there have been, I mean, there have been native folks uh, for decades uh, working to get, to find closure to this issue, right? Uh, FOIA requests and so forth, because they want information on their ancestors. Um, we, you know, our department is working on a plan right now, but we intend to make sure that we can document every single boarding school that was open. Uh, we are going to work to find records of the students who were there, um, any grave sites that are, have been there. Um, it, we want to make sure that we can hear from tribes. A tribal consultation will be extremely important during this time because um, you know, they have those histories, whether they're written down or not. Tribes know uh, who in their families uh, went to these boarding schools and, and who came home and who didn't. And so, um, so we're going to just all work together to make sure that we can gather all this information and make it available to people who want answers and, um, 
you know, this, this is part of the healing process. It won't be easy. It'll be, in fact, extremely difficult. Um, I just came from uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania yesterday, where uh, the Rosebud Sioux Tribe uh, uh, was able to sort of, um, well, take, take children back home, right? Children who were buried at Carlisle, who never came back home, they were able to, um, to work with the army uh, to make sure that those children went back home to their homelands. And so that's a start, right? That, that's a start. We, we want our children home no matter how long it's been. And, um, and I think that's, that's going to be part of, of this process. Uh, but I think largely it's information. It's, it's the information that people have been wanting for decades and decades. And we're gonna, we will hope to provide them with that. It's so, so important for closure. And, and I think to, again, going back to the original point is just telling the truth about history. Um, one of the other things <clears throat> about your job specifically in this moment that I think is interesting, given the Biden administration has been explicit about putting a racial justice lens on basically all of the uh, things the administration is doing and, and trying to think through an equity lens um, when it comes to issues like climate. Um, can you speak to the, the importance of that framing, really understanding that the impacts of environmental racism and inequities um, because of the resources that are available in certain communities is, is a critical aspect of what your um, goal goals are um, as Secretary of the Interior? Oh my gosh, that is that is such that is so important, and I'm so grateful for President Biden and Vice President Harris uh, recognizing that this is something that needs to happen to find some uh, equity in those underrepresented communities. Um, you know, Native Americans have a, the federal government has a trust responsibility with Indian tribes. Um, they, the United States government, they. Um, they were able to amass millions and millions and millions of acres of land through treaties, through executive orders, through acts of Congress, promising tribes things in exchange for that land. Uh, if not for all of those legal documents that never expire, uh, we wouldn't have the United States, right? This was all Indian land at one point. And, and it doesn't matter how long it's been, the federal government still has that trust responsibility because they made those promises. And, um, and sadly, um, they haven't lived up to uh, that trust responsibility in many ways and for many decades. Um, the um, and it's been documented, right? The U.S. Commission on Civil Rights did a report, the Broken Promises report, that talked about that. So it's important that we we recognize that that we work hard to live up to those trust responsibilities. Part of that, of course, is is funding for various things: healthcare, education, housing, law enforcement, economic development. Um, and, uh, and, and the other uh, part of it is consultation, making sure that we are listening to tribes, that they have a true seat at the table. And, um, and that is also a commitment that President Biden has made to Indian tribes. So uh, I feel confident that we will live up to President Biden's um, uh, agenda with respect to underrepresented communities. And of course, because the Bureau of Indian Affairs is 
is in the Department of the Interior. It's under it's under my um, you know it's under my responsibility, and so um, we're going to do all we can to make sure that we're living up to President Biden's um, his his agenda and 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 the things that he wants to get accomplished. Tribal sovereignty was actually strengthened under the American Rescue Plan. It was one of the first things that that he did. Can can I ask, what does that mean for the daily lives of indigenous people living today? Well, of course, um, it's it's always not, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, way back when I always used to cheer when somebody would mention Native Americans on you know, on the, uh, the news or in a speech or something like that. And now I feel like we're getting to where these issues are mainstream. Um, you know, when, when we're recognized, um, when we have a seat at the table, that things like missing and murdered indigenous people are paid attention to, you know, as an American citizen, a lot of folks, they don't know to care about something unless they know about it, right? You can't care about missing and murdered indigenous people unless you know about it. And the only way to know about that is if we're talking about it. And and so I think that that commitment by the president, um, the funding that he was able to make sure that tribes got as a result of the American Rescue Plan, uh, the vaccination commitments, the healthcare, um, all of these things, it's going to strengthen our communities. It's going to make sure that we will continue to have a seat at the table. And, um, and that is, um, that's just, you know, it's a, it's a great future for our children. One of the things I think a lot about is um, the intersections of the history of indigenous people in this country and black people uh, in this country, and not just the, the brutal treatment, but but really the, the fight for self-determination and freedom and, and liberation. Um, when, you, when you look at just the last year of, of this racial reckoning, I think is what we're calling it, uh, since the killing of George Floyd, and really, I think, um, an emergence of an in, a truly intersectional civil rights movement that includes indigenous issues. Um, do you feel like that is a, a sign of progress that indigenous issues are finally being put in the bucket of uh, the list of things that we are going to work on as a nation. Um, as we move forward, you know, now that we're, dare I say, beyond the, the Trump era. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think that, um, uh, I mean, yes, racial reckoning is probably, uh, you know, applies to, to, so many folk, you know, communities of people who have been left behind uh, when so many other folks are seemingly getting ahead. Um, and I, I think that, you know, we need to stick together. We need to help each other. We need to acknowledge that each other's pain and, and, and move forward. Um, and, you know, uh, and I hope that um, all of this also translates to folks who have been left behind economically. There are poor people in this country who have never been able to get ahead. Um, I think all those are related. And um, so we can, we can work on these things um, together. Um, we can acknowledge that, um, that our history has played a role in, in the success of people today 
And, um, and I hope that, uh, and I'm proud to be a part of, of that. I'm proud to be a part of our country moving forward. And I'm going to work my heart out to make sure that I can help as many people as possible. Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland, thank you so much for joining us today and, and all the work that you do every day. We're thrilled to have your voice where it is. Thank you. So, thank you so much for having me. It was great Anytime. to chat. Please stay safe. Thank you all so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Zerlina Maxwell, at Jess underscore MC, and at Signal Boost Show.